Hey, thank you guys for bringing boxes out. And uh, at the end of the service, we're going to pray for uh, hundreds of boxes, as you can see, hundreds of boxes that are, are were being collected today. We want to pray for those at the end of the service and where God's going to send those. Uh, but right now we want to jump into week three of our series. We're, we're doing a series in which we're thinking about our identity, uh, who we are in Christ, and being able to, to see how important identity is, that our, our identities are formed by the, the labels we put on ourselves and the labels other people give us, uh, the things that we think. But we want to see who we are in Christ, that when we're in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that something changes and your whole identity changes. We're going to look today at what it means uh, to know that, that in Christ that we are loved. Now, it's one thing to know something because you've read about it or heard about it. It's quite another thing to know something because you have experienced it. So take Victoria Falls, for example, is one of the seven wonders of the natural world. And you can learn about it at sevennaturalwonders.org slash Victoria Falls. Um, I'll, I'll help you out. Here's a couple pictures. Uh, it, it, its nickname is Smoke That Thunders. Uh, here is uh, this, this waterfall that, that comes across the border of uh, Zimbabwe and Zambia and uh, Africa there in Central Africa. It is the largest waterfall based just simply on, on width and height. One mile wide, 360 feet high. And you can look at these pictures and go, oh, yeah, I, I get it. Maybe even on Jeopardy tonight, you'll get that answer right. You'll know, oh, largest waterfall. Yeah, Victoria Falls. You, you know, that, like, this is, a, this is one of the seven natural wonders of the world. I only have six more to figure out. Uh, but... If you were having a conversation with someone and they started trying to describe their experience of being at Victoria Falls and I overheard that, I'd come and bump you out of the way and kind of jump in that conversation because I've been there. I have, I've seen it with my eyes. I've, I've taken in its beauty from a, a number of different angles. I have, I've heard the thunderous roar of that water falling gallon after gallon. I have felt the spray on my face, on my skin, I have seen rainbows that I, I can't even begin to describe to you that you felt you could reach out and touch. I have, I, I can tell you why, I, if you wanted to ask me about a seven natural wonders of the world, I could tell you I know one of them. It's Victoria Falls because I've been there, I've seen it, I've heard it, I've, I, I've tasted the water in my mouth. I, I know what it feels like to see its, its beauty. It's one thing to say you know something because you've read about it or heard about it. It's another thing to know something because you've experienced it. And, and what we're going to see today is we're going to walk into a prayer that the Apostle Paul is, is praying for a church. Uh, he's praying for these people in Ephesus. And, and it's been interesting. For three chapters, he's been praying this prayer. He's been walking through. He's telling He's describing to them what he's been praying for them. And, and what we're going to see is that today he's praying, Oh, I just... I want you to encounter and experience his love for you. I just want you to know it. And he's going to push past, as we're going to see, he's pushing past, not that you would just know about his love and be able to describe his love, that you would know it. See, being a Christian is a very interesting thing if you really think about it. Um, being a Christian for many people is that we have a certain belief system. We believe certain things about God, about Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, about salvation, about, and you can name off all these things. And if you could check all those boxes, these are the things I, I, I believe and I, I sent to that you are a Christian. But the truth is that really is not a good description of what a Christian is. A Christian 
is someone who's come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That you are in a personal relationship. And what we've seen in the language is that what God is trying to draw you into is a life with him, into his family, adopted as his child. He wants you to know him more and more, deeper and deeper. In fact, that's why people look at you and think you're weird. Because when you try to describe what it is to be a Christian, they just think that's not possible. You can't know God. God's off somewhere. It's just not, I don't like the way you're talking about it. And yet, that's what we're going to see we're pulled into. That, that what, at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian, what it, at the very heart of what it means to grow more and more as a Christian is to know God, to be in relationship with God. And Jesus has made that possible for us. And so here's, I want to give you a big idea of what we're going to talk about today. And you're going to see this and we're going to walk through this and you're going to wrestle with this. But I want you to see that God wants you to experience the fullness of his love. Our big idea today as we walk into this prayer is that God wants you to experience the fullness of his love. And it's important that you kind of see this and understand those two words, experience and fullness, are very important because it's not just that he wants you to be able to describe this love. He wants you to encounter it and, and experience more and more. I, I don't, I, I, you know, in some ways, I, I'm listening to the songs you're singing. I'm like, ooh, I wish we would wait for that. Uh, until we're done. Because I want you, because you're singing it and you're like, I'm the good job keeper. You know, and you're thinking about things you got to do today and things like, like that's a That's a scary thing to pray. Like you, when, you're, when you were singing that, that was a prayer. And you're saying, I want you to draw me closer, deeper. Are you sure you want that? Okay, it's, a, it's, a, it's exciting, exhilarating, and scary all at the same time. But I want you to see that's what Paul's saying. Oh, yeah, that's what I want you singing. I want you praying these things because that's what God wants for you as well. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. And if you need a Bible, uh, there's one right in front of you, page 1175. And I'm going to put it on the screen there for you as well. But if you want to follow along and see some of these words kind of pop off the page, it's, it's kind of fun to see. And as we're preparing to, to look at this, uh, I, I want you to understand as we're walking through this. Remember, there's, here's Paul writing from prison. His circumstances are difficult. He's writing to people whose circumstances are difficult. They're kind of wondering, should we go back to our old identity? Should we leave this behind? And he's, he's trying to help them. No, 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 no. You don't want to go back to where you were. Understand who you are now. And live in that. And you'll find life in that. And in some ways, what we're going to see, I, I want to give you a quote. I found this in, a, in one of my Bibles. I had written it probably like uh, over a decade ago. But I, I think this characterizes in some ways the prayer that we're going to see today. Julian of Norwich writes this. She says, God wishes to be seen. And he wishes to be sought. And he wishes to be expected. And he wishes to be trusted. If you can let your heart get around that, you'll understand more and more this big idea that God wants you to experience the fullness of his love. God wants you to, to search for him and to see him and find him and, 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 and trust him. And so let's read uh, this passage, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. He says, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its names. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he might strengthen you with power, through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted 
and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Well, we see right away that this prayer is a very passionate prayer. And we see that by simply the description of the posture in which Paul is praying. He says, I kneel. And it's important that you understand the, the, uh, the, the normal posture for a Jewish man like Paul to pray would be to stand with his arms raised high. And so this is unusual for him to say, I'm down on my knees. There's an earnestness to this prayer that is face on the ground. I'm just, I'm, I'm asking God, I'm begging God, I'm pleading for God that more and more your hearts, the hearts of the, this church and the hearts is, and really in some ways what Paul's praying even for us today, I, I just want them to get it. I want them to know, I want them to know, know what your love really is for them, how, how expansive it is. And, and, and we see, I mean, you, you would understand that, right? If you walked in on your friend or your spouse or your child or your parent and they were down on the ground, on their knees, their face to the ground and they were praying, you would you'd stand back and go, whoa, what's going on? What's, why, why the prayer this way? Like, what's, what, what's so intense in your life? This is where Paul's at. And he's saying, I'm praying to I'm praying this way and I'm, 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 my prayer goes to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a powerful, Paul in his letters, multiple times, 42 different times, he refers to God as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which, which is so important because remember, if, if we're thinking about who we are in Christ, that if he's the Father of Jesus Christ and we are in Christ, he is our Father. He becomes our Father. It's a very passionate prayer, a very personal prayer for us as he begins to pray. And so let's pause for a moment and think about this. How do you view God? How do you, how do you approach him? Notice what, what Paul is saying. He's, he's trying to, he, he wants to remove this idea that God is this cold and distant, harsh man. But instead, he, he's trying to draw us in. He's, he's trying to explain even his own process of coming into this place of, of experiencing and encounter this great love that God has that he is now. I, I'm like a child to him. I, I, I get on my knees and I call out to him uh, and I, as, as a, a child would to his father. And his prayer begins. It's a prayer we see of strength. We see this in, in verses 16 and 17. He's saying, I'm, I'm praying that through the spirit of God, that you might be strengthened. He's speaking about the inner man, the inner person. It's what makes you you. You take that part out of you and you're just a body. You're not, you're not, but you realize you're looking at that body. You realize that's not, that's not them. And he's saying, I'm, I'm praying that God does this work on you, on, on who you are. So that, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, we want to stop for a second because you might th- be thinking, hopefully you're thinking, wait a second, if I'm a Christian, isn't Christ already dwelling in my heart? And, and the answer is yes, and Paul's not trying to get at that point, that when you, and we've already kind of seen this a little bit, as we, we turn to Christ in faith that he comes, he, he dwells in our heart, the God, very God comes and enters into our life through his spirit. 
He's not praying that that would happen, but what he's praying is he's, he's asking that Christ would more and more make his home in your heart. There's two words he could have used there for dwell. One of the words that he could have used is kind of like for a stranger passing through. In fact, it's a word that he often used to describe us on this, in this world. That we're kind of, we're strangers, we're aliens, we're not really dwelling here. This isn't, this isn't the way it will always be. That God has something else for us. He doesn't use that word. Instead, what he's saying is this. He's saying, I want him to settle down. The word he uses is much stronger. It means to settle down somewhere. This permanent home as opposed to temporary. Uh, I, I think that tonight we have uh, these three little nine-year-old girls are going to come stay with us for the next couple days. And, and they're going to be a, a little intimidated because they've never spent the night in our house. And they're going to be, they're, they're, they're dwelling in our house. They're going to be kind of intimidated. They'll figure it out and they'll get into stuff, I'm sure. But you can you see the difference in, in that kind of, versus the dwelling. He's saying, I want more and more Christ to make his home in your heart and in his life so that you're strengthened, so that you're, you know him. This is not a prayer for knowledge. It's a prayer for greater intimacy with God. And so he's praying that our whole life is permeated by his whole life. But notice second that what he begins to pray is that there is this sense of, of knowing God that develops in our life. And you see this in the next verses, in verses 17 to 19, you start to see this, this prayer, the second request. He's saying, I want you to be able to grasp, I want you to try to get your head around how vast and all-encompassing is God's love for you. And what you're going to see is he's going to start saying things like, it, it, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not that you can't do it, but you're going to think you can measure it or get it or describe it. And every attempt you get, you're going to get there and think you've arrived and only figure out that you've taken one drink of the ocean. And, and watch what he begins to do. He says, I want you to be rooted and established in his love. Both are very interesting pictures. Both are pictures, think of two different pictures. One is a, a picture kind of, of botany. He says, I want, your, I want the roots of your life to dig down deep. I want them to dig down deep. And what I want them to dig down deep is dig deep into the soil of God's love. I want your life to be rooted in God's love. I want your life to be established on God's love. He's, to be established, he's saying, that I want the foundation of your life to be the love that God has for you in Christ Jesus. The, 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 what God has shown you about how, how much he, you mean to him by what he's done by sending his son. I want your life to be established on the love that Christ has displayed on the cross. So what is your life digging roots into? Where are the roots of your life going down into? What, what have you established your life on? What's the foundation of your heart that everything else is building up on? He's saying, I want you to dig down deep. I want the roots to go down deep. I want you to establish it. See, for some of us, uh, we may think of uh, this as the, the foundation of our life or the roots of our life are built on uh, something like, well, I need to succeed to make something of myself. And, and success is what gets you up in the morning. It's what drives you through the day. Or maybe the foundation is, I, I don't think I'm that lovable. At least that's what it feels like since people keep leaving my life. 
and you get up in the day and the, the foundation of your life is, I hope that I won't be disappointed again today. Or maybe it's the thought that, hey, in life you create your own breaks, your own luck. You put your head down, you drive through it. And when you get up in the morning, that's the foundation. That's what you built your life on. And he's saying, look, you're going to build your life on something. Your roots are going to go down deep into something. And what I'm hoping and what I'm praying is that what it goes down deep into is the love of God. What I'm praying is that the foundation, the very base of your life is built. Everything you build in your life from this point on is built on how much you know God loves you. And notice what he begins to do. He begins to talk about how wide and long and high and deep that love is for you. And if you're beginning to listen, you're beginning to realize how immense this love is. In fact, here's the first thing you can write down. That you are loved far more than you currently know. So you're being invited. He's saying, I want, I, oh, when I pray for you, my face is down on the ground. I'm praying. I'm praying that the roots of your life go down deep in this love that God has for you. That the foundation of your life is this love that God has for you. And he begins to describe it and he goes, oh, but this love, it's beyond what you realize. This love is beyond what you know. He begins to describe it. I mean, think of it this way. I mean, it's almost like as he begins to, as you begin to read these next verses, you almost sense that he is smirking at you. That he's almost kind of smiling like, oh man, I want you to get it. Because see, you think you know God's love, but you don't know it. You think you know it, but you don't know it. And he's kind of excited as he's saying, let me put it this way. Jesus says these words in John 15, 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Okay, now think about this for a second. If you were sitting at the table with Jesus and he was saying these words to you and he says, friends, do you think the Father loves me? You'd be like, duh, of course he does. And you, you, you'd be able to around, like in some ways, of course he loves you. He says, well, in the same way he loves me, to the same depths he loves me, I want you to know I love you. And you'd be like, yeah, yeah, not really. Do you like me saying, my, uh, Josh here uh, mentors my, my uh, son Trevor, and I could say to Josh, Josh, hey, I want you to know, I so appreciate all you do for Trevor, and I want you to know I love you, okay? I love you like I love Trevor. And you'd be like, ah, oh, it just got really weird. And you'd be like, okay. But you wouldn't really believe it, would you? You'd be like, ah, I kind of am okay with that, but I don't really think that's true. And Jesus is saying, I know you find this hard to believe, but I want you to know. Here it is, the closest people to him. He's saying, I know you find this hard to believe, but the same way that the Father loves me, I love you. Try to imagine that for a second. Because this is what Paul's starting to say. He's trying to say, you think you know God's love for you, but you really don't yet. And the moment you think you know it, you're going to realize, wow, I think I get it now. And you're going to realize, oh gosh, it's even bigger than I thought. And then you're going to climb and climb and you go, I think I get it now. And you're going to realize, oh, it's still bigger. It's a love that is wide enough 
to encompass all of mankind. It's a love that is long enough to last for all eternity, is deep enough to reach the most lost sinner, and it is high enough to exalt that very same person to the highest heaven. Ancient commentators used to look at the cross and be able to look at this verse and they would see that verse in the cross. They'd see the way that the vertical beam would reach to the highest heaven and yet down to the lowest person and and the way the horizontal beam would reach across almost as if Christ's arms were opened up and calling everyone into his love. And they would point to this again and again. And he's saying, you know this, but I want you to understand you don't, you don't know it, and I don't totally know it yet. And every point of my experience where I think I get it a little bit better, one of the most exciting things is I realize I'm only starting to get it. It will take us all eternity to really get our heads and hearts around how deep and wide and long and high this love is for us. This love that he says, he says, I want you to know a love that is, it surpasses knowledge. Like, it's almost unknowable. It, 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 in some ways, we begin to see this. That, and, and notice what he's saying. And there's, there's something very important here. Because again, what he's pushing at is he's saying, I don't want you just to know about it. He's pushing. In fact, the word means this. Not just that you'd have knowledge of it, but that you would know it. That you would experience it. That you would encounter it. In fact, this is the second thing I think that's helpful for us to write down. That God wants you to experience this love. That is beyond knowing. And he's saying this not so that they would give up, but so that they would be empowered to continue to experience more and more and more and more of God's love for them. He wants in some ways for them to realize, I want you to grasp every dimension of this love that he has for you. A a love that is so great it can never be fully known. That we can never plumb its depths or comprehend its magnitude, no matter how much we know of that love. He says, I want you to fully enter into it. And I want you to realize that as you enter into it, there's always more and more and more. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're getting nervous. It's freaking some of you out. You're thinking, oh, great. This is going to be one of those emotional churches, isn't it? And you're thinking, ah, when's the pastor going to dance and grab his tambourine? Like, where are the snakes? Where's the snakes around here? Like, uh, you're kind of looking around or you're thinking, oh, this is, some of you guys are thinking, well, this is, this is great for women, but I don't really do that emotional, like, lovey thing with God. Like, I just want to, mm. before you think this, and not to, you know, our emotional brothers and sisters of other traditions, I want you to listen to some of the stories of some of the most conservative, and even men, who, uh, some of the most conservative theologians, listen to some of their experiences as they describe encountering this love. Dwight Moody. Uh, Moody Bible College is probably one of the most, my son goes there. I, I'll tell you, they have a dress code for crying out loud. It is one of the most conservative colleges in the entire country. The founder, Dwight Moody, says this, one day in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I can't describe it. Now get this, I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. 
or the 19th century theologian Daniel Steele said this, I can only say God revealed himself to me. It's too sacred to talk about. I had such an experience of his love. I had to say enough that love came down upon my heart in such measure as to make my whole being groan underneath the almost insupportable plethora of joy. Or George Whitefield in one of his journals says this, the freeness and riches of God's everlasting love broke with such light and power upon my soul that I was often awed into silence and I could not speak. He said, stop it, God, I have to get my rest. The love, it's too much love. My being feels like it's groaning under something insupportable. I had to ask him to stay his hand. Charles Spurgeon. Some of us know at times what it is to be almost too happy to live. The love of God has been so overpoweringly experienced by us on some occasions that we have almost had to ask for a stay of the delight because we could not endure any more. If the glory had not been veiled a little, we should have died of excess of rapture or happiness. Now, I want you to realize something. These guys did not get together and collaborate and say, hey, we've got to be in cahoots on our story here. Do you see that theme again? Like the, the sense, the encounter of God's love in their life, that they had this encounter of God's love from time and time again as they sought after him, as they pushed towards him, draw a little closer, come a little deeper. As they come in and the, the sense of kind of knowing, not just knowing about it and being able to describe it, but encountering this love that they had to say, there was a way of encountering this love so much so that I had to almost say, God, please stop what you're doing. I can't take anymore. It's just too big. It's too rich. It's too good. And they would push almost God back to say, it's just too much. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I want you to know something that's beyond description. It's just, it's too much. And this is what Paul had experienced. This is what these, these scholars had experienced. And this is what he's praying that we would encounter and experience as well. I was at a camp. It's the end of the night, and what we'd do is um, as we'd ask, ask kids if they wanted to pray, just to stay in their seats afterwards, and we'd pray. And so the night, it was a great chapel uh, that we had. And as the night ended, I remember this one kid, great kid, kid who grew up, third generation Christian, great Christian parents, great Christian grandparents. This kid aced any Sunday school question or answer, test, whatever. This kid was just as bright as they come. And he's sitting in his chair and he's just weeping uncontrollably. And I'm thinking, oh, what, what thing's going on in his life? Like what darkness has kind of been hiding? And I'm concerned about where he's at. And he just looks at me. He goes, I get it. <laughs> it's real. God's love, God's love, God's, th- this life, he's real. This is all true. This is re-. And he's just, he's just exploding with passion. He's exploding with this sense of God finally kind of breaking past all the answers and all the behavior and all the things to just say, no, 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 no. Just let me hold you. Let me embrace you. Let me just let the, my love uh, overwhelm you. And here he is, and I just, I, there's nothing to say but to sit with him and to pray and to just enjoy the way, and, and I would tell you, I mean, it's so exciting to watch him now. Watch this, this young man come alive as he serves God, as he serves God with his life. Not because he must, out of duty, but because he must, because the love of God so compels him to. 
that his whole framework, his roots got pulled up, his foundation got smashed to the ground, and he began to rebuild his life in the love of God instead of the performance for God. I think back to uh, 10 years ago, we were in Swaziland with a team from our college ministry, and we're sitting in this circle, and I had led this team of leaders. We had like 250 uh, people on this mission trip, and I'm leading this group of about 25 leaders and we get to the end of the, the experience uh, of the summer. And I'm, I'm doing this, uh, this moment where we're just, we're just encouraging each other. We're passing this little coconut around. And whoever has the coconut, we're just saying words of affirmation, encouragement, the great job they did all summer. So we get to the very end. And uh, all right, so let's move. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not getting out of this. I'm like, oh, great. Now I got to feel the awkwardness of holding the coconut and everyone talking, saying nice things to me. And they're saying some really nice things. And then one girl, barely knew her. She looks at me and she goes, Bill, I don't really know you. But the other night, you got up to speak. And I just want to share what the Lord just whispered to me. She says, you know, the Lord just whispered to me, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And right away, my buddy Steve, he like looks at me because he knows I'm about to lose it. Because I'm like, oh, you know, it's like, I'm gone. Like, I'm just, but the, it was, no, stop, stop. Yeah, back off, God. I can't take that kind of love. Like, I'm not ready for that. I wasn't, I couldn't, I wasn't ready to have my heart explode with that kind of just embrace by him. I have in my wallet two love letters. Neither are from you. Um, <laughs> but there's a person in our church who, who just prays. And, and there's just, in fact, Kim and I uh, turn to her all the time and say, hey, we got a big decision to make. Will you pray through this with us? Because we just trust when you pray. Like some, you have some kind of red hotline phone to God. And early in my start of being the lead pastor here, I remember uh, she gave me uh, these notes. And they came in these different times. And, and I couldn't, all I can explain to you is the roots, the foundation of my identity was I can't fail. I can't fail. I can't let this church fail. And I don't know what I'm doing. I I'm, I, it's all masquerade. It's all smoke and mirrors. Hey, look over here, okay? And everything in me is insecure. And she just comes at the end of a service a couple times, and she says, hey, um, as I'm praying through the service, I feel like God wants you to hear these things, and I, it, this is between you and God. She just hands me the note. And I'm reading these, these words of, of encouragement that are not her to me, but her saying, hey, I feel like the Lord wants you to hear these things. She didn't know what was going on in my heart. And these words that just say, I love you. You're doing great. I'm so proud. You know, and I'm, I'm just like, back off. Stay. And so I keep in my wallet so that I can be reminded time and again that I'm only scratching the surface of his love for me. Why does he want this? So that your life would be filled with the fullness of God. Your life is filled to the measure, to the top, to the rim of God, God's presence in your life. More and more. And of course, this prayer ends as only it could, which just, he just erupts with praise to God in those last two verses. You see this great God is working in us, this power, this immeasurable work that God does beyond anything we hope or imagine, this power that is in us. How do, you, how do, how do we experience this? Well, to experience this love, you pursue him, not the experience. 
You pursue him, not the experience. And, 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 the, and what we've seen up to this point is this is really a, a letter. It's a prayer letter. And we see the way we experience this, encounter this, is through our own priority of prayer in our life. And we pursue him, not his stuff, not his blessings, not all these things. We just pursue him. And learning to do this will take us, it'll take us a lifetime to continue to grow more and more. Don't beat yourself up if this isn't happening. The more and more as we push towards him, we inch towards him. We, we, we move towards him and not the experience. Think of it this way. When you date someone and that person likes to kiss you, you don't want to believe that what they really want is kisses. What you want to believe is what they want is you. Because if they can just get the kiss somewhere else, then you realize that that's, there's something missing. The kiss, what makes the kiss great is not that they want the kiss, it's that they want you. And in the same way, we don't pursue the experience, we pursue God and we just, it, it, what he's saying is just simply this, as you pursue God, what you're going to find is that his love, his love comes to you in, in, in ways that are immeasurable. And so allow that to happen. And so I want us to pray. I want us to close in prayer. And, and this, the posture of this prayer we saw, it's a bowing of heart. It's a bowing. He, he literally bows. In fact, as we enter into this last part of our service, we're going to sing. We're going to pray. I mean, you might even want to move. You might even want to move to a spot or, or even where you are. You may even want to just bow. And, and, and if what you want is to say, Lord, I, I do want to long for you. I want more of you. Then in this time, I want to encourage you that this is what he's praying you'd pray. He's praying that you would say, I, I want you to be willing to draw closer, to go deeper. Even if that means he's going to have to pull up roots. Even if that means he's going to have to break down foundations so that he can replant you, so that he can rebuild you for real life. Lord, I want you. I want to sink deep roots into your love. I want to establish my life on your love. That your love would be the foundation of everything I build from this point on. Let's turn. Let's bow. Take a moment just quietly to reflect on that. Let your prayer, let this be your time, your words, your reflection. And in just a moment, we'll We'll sing and use these songs to be uh, extensions of these prayers you're praying now.